Welcome to the Summerton Church of God Sermon Podcast, a podcast to help you find life, freedom, and purpose in Jesus Christ. I want you to take your Bibles today and go with me to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. As you can see, I have a helper with me today. Y'all better not mess with me. I appreciate Jonathan and Tammy so much who put so much work into our staging for these series that we do. And I, I just appreciate that so much. Amen. We're going to kind of shift gears today. We're still kind of talking about the same subject, the same word that the Lord gave us at the beginning of the year, the word stand. And we're continuing to declare that we will stand. We have recognized that we are in a spiritual battle and that in this spiritual battle, we need spiritual strength. But not only do we need spiritual strength, we need spiritual sight. And today we're going to begin talking about the fact that we need a spiritual suit. Today we're going to begin the series entitled The Armor of God that ties into what we have already been talking about. We started this series recognizing the fact that we've got to be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. And then over the last few weeks, we've gotten acquainted with our enemy. We've identified who our enemy is, that the enemy is the devil. The enemy is Satan. And we need to know who our enemy is because if we don't, we will end up fighting the wrong enemy. But Paul says this in Ephesians chapter 6, and we're going to read verses 10 through 17. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full. Everybody say full. Full. You cannot leave a single piece of this armor off. If you do, you will leave yourself open in some area of your life and you will become vulnerable to the enemy. So it's important that you put on every single piece of armor. And we'll be talking about these pieces of armor over the next few weeks. But he says, put on the full armor of God. We need to understand today that this is not our armor. This is not carnal armor. This is not worldly armor. This is God's armor. Paul said that we don't wrestle and we don't fight the way that the world does. That the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. And so he says that we need to put on the full armor that comes from God so that we can take our stand against the devil's schemes. And that's what we've talked about the last few weeks are the devil's schemes. We've identified what they are so that we can be better prepared to stand against him when the evil day comes. And he says, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, he says it again, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, and just in case you haven't gotten it yet, stand firm. With the belt of truth, and that's what we're going to talk about this morning, with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, 
And with the breastplate of righteousness in place and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. And then he says, in addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. And then he finishes up by saying, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Today, we're going to begin talking about the armor of God by getting better acquainted with the weapon called the belt of truth. Now, I feel like it's important for me to just take a couple of minutes right here at the beginning of the message this morning to talk about what truth is. In John chapter 18, Jesus is standing before Pilate He has been handed over to Pilate by the Jews because they want Pilate to crucify him. And Pilate looks at Jesus and said that they're accusing you of saying that you are the king of the Jews. Are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus responds basically by saying this. He's saying, yes, I am a king, but not a king in the sense that you would think of a king. Because I'm not the king of this world, but he said, I'm the king of another kingdom. It is a spiritual kingdom that is ruled and reigned by truth. And so he responds to Pilate by saying this in John 18 and 37. He said, Pilate, I was born and I came into the world to testify to the truth. In other words, everything that I say and everything that I do is going to testify to the truth. And then he says, and all who love the truth recognize that what I say is true. In John chapter 1 verse 1 or in verse 38, then then Pilate then responds back to Jesus and says, well, then what is truth? And do you know what he does after he asks that question of Jesus? He just walks off. He doesn't wait for an answer. He just walks off. But can I tell you, this is the question that is still the dilemma in our world today. What is truth? This is the question that is still being asked today because you've got the culture apart from God that says that truth is subjective rather than objective, that truth is relative rather than absolute. And then of course, you've got the church, the people of God that says, no, truth is objective and truth is absolute. And I think Pilate was kind of caught in the middle like a lot of people today are caught in the middle because he said, I've got the Jews over here saying that you're claiming to be the king of the Jews and and, 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 and they're saying that you're not. And then on the other hand over here, I've got you claiming, yes, you are a king. So he said, who's right in all of this? He's, He's kind of caught in the middle of it. And I think that that's a question that a lot of people are still asking today. What really, what really is truth. What can we really hang our hat on? What can we really stake our lives on as truth? In John chapter one, verse one, he begins his book by saying, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. Now it's important that you, that you grasp that. 
That in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. But notice who the Word is. The Word was God. And then in verse 14 it says, And the Word, God, became flesh and dwelt among us. We know him as Jesus. God in the flesh. And notice when Jesus came, when God came to this earth in the flesh, when God came as a man in the form of Christ Jesus, it says that we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father. In other words, when Jesus was here on this earth, Jesus was a perfect image of who God is. That if you wanted to know who God was, what God looked like, how God acted, what what God stood for, all you had to do was look at Jesus because Jesus was a perfect image, perfect manifestation. He He was the exact image of God. And notice what he was full of. He was full of grace and truth. Now, why is that important? It's important because of a prayer that Jesus prayed in John chapter 17 when he said to his father, Father, sanctify them by the truth. And then he tells us what truth is. Thy word is truth. Well, I try to put all of this together as my mind does sometimes. In the beginning was the word, the word was with God, the word was God. Sanctify them by truth, the word is truth. God is truth truth and 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 let me just show you what the desire of god's heart is for every single one of us and not just for all of us in this room here today but for every person on the face of the earth paul tells us in first timothy chapter 2 verses 3 and 4 he said that god our savior wants all people to be saved that's the desire of god's heart He wants all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. Well, if God is truth, then we could also read it like this, to come to a knowledge of God. That God wants us. You and I need to understand today that we can know God. We can know God. We can know God personally. We can know everything that there is to know about God as it has been revealed to us in his word. And that is God's desire that everybody be saved, that everybody come to a knowledge of truth. And so here's what God did. God provided a way for that to happen. And in John chapter 14, verse six, Jesus said it like this. He said, I am the way and I am the truth and I am the life and no one can come to the father except through me. Now, this is Jesus, yes, declaring himself to be the way, the truth, the life. But I also believe that you can read this scripture like this and not take it out of context. That Jesus is saying, I am the way that leads to truth that brings life. Let me say that again. That I am the way that leads to truth that brings life. I believe you could read it like this and still be accurate. I am the way that leads to God who brings life. 
Because notice what he says. No one can come to the Father. No one can come to God except through me. Now, this is where we begin to get some insight on the battle that we are in today as children of God. And that is that the devil is doing everything that he possibly can to keep you from God and to keep me from God. That's why Jesus identified him in John chapter 8 verse 44 and said that he was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. And when he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and he is the father of lies. It's as if the devil has said, well, if God is going to be known for truth, I'm going to be known for lies. If God is going to be known for truth, then I'm going to be known for deception. It's why he killed Jesus. It's because he thought if I can kill Jesus, then I can kill the way to God that brings life. If I can kill Jesus, then I can kill the way that leads to truth that brings life. And really what the enemy is trying to do is he's trying to keep all of us from God and the life that God intends for you and I to live. So what is truth? God is truth. What is truth? God's word is truth. And let me tell you the fight. Let me tell you the battle that we are in. And it's the battle that has been fought throughout all of the ages. It is a battle for truth. It is a battle and a fight for truth. And you and I, as soldiers, you see, we're not just sons and daughters of God, we're not just servants of God, we're also soldiers of the Lord. And as soldiers of the Lord, he has called us to defend truth and to stand against the lies and the deception of the enemy. So how are we going to do that? There's three things today I believe that we can do that will help us be the soldier that God's called us to be and defend the truth. And if we're gonna defend the truth, it starts right here. You gotta know the truth. Because you cannot defend something you don't know. You can't defend the truth if you don't know the truth. And so that's why Paul tells us here in Ephesians chapter six, verse 14. Now listen, you really need to stay with me today because this is one of the most important messages I believe I've ever preached in my ministry. And you need to hear what the Holy Spirit has given me to impart to you this morning. But in Ephesians chapter six, verse 14, and this is the New King's translation, the new, the new King James Version translation of this passage. He says, stand therefore having girded your waist with truth. The New International Version said, having buckled around your waist the belt of truth. But, but the New King James Version is more accurate here in that it says, having girded your waist with truth. What in the world does that mean? Having girded your waist with truth. Well, what he's talking about here is he's talking about getting prepared for the battle that we are about to go into or the battle that we are already in, the battle that we are right now fighting for truth. 
And he's saying that one of the ways that we get prepared is by getting a knowledge of God's truth, knowing what truth is. And here's how he says it. He says, having gird your waist with truth. You see, there would have been Roman soldiers roaming the streets because even in Israel, Rome was the one who was ruling over all of the world at that time. So there would have been Roman soldiers everywhere. And, and Paul would have seen that Roman soldier and, and he would have noticed that that Roman soldier didn't, didn't dress, you know, in, 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 in in, in, in the kind of clothes that, that we dress in today, but they would wear a tunic. And a tunic was like a dress. It had one hole in the top, and then it had two holes in the side. The, the, the hole at the top was so that his head could, could be placed through it, and the, 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 the holes on the side was so that his arms could, could go through the two holes on the side. And so he had this long flowing tunic, And before he would go into battle, he had to prepare himself for action. And the way that he would prepare himself for action is that he would reach down and take the bottom of that tunic and raise it up and tuck it in his belt so that nothing would hinder. You see, when they went to fight, when, when the Romans went to fight, it was hand-to-hand combat. You, you were going to be within arm's length of your enemy. And if you had this long flowing dress on, the other soldier might pull your dress up over your head <laughs> and defeat you. Or that long flowing garment might get entangled in something. You see, when Jesus, or when, when, when God was telling the nation of Israel, when he was bringing them out of Egyptian bondage, he told them how to prepare the last meal that they would have together there called the Passover meal. And he said, when you bake the bread, he said, don't put any yeast in the bread because you're not going to have time to wait for the bread to rise. So leave the yeast out of it. And here, here, here's what he said to him. He said, this is how you are to eat it with your cloak tucked into your belt and your sandals on your feet and your staff in your hand. In other words, you need to be prepared to move and move fast. You need to be prepared to move quick into action because how many of you know we never know when we're gonna face the deceit and the lies of the enemy. And we have always got to be prepared to, 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 to go into battle, prepared to fight. And so they would tuck that tunic, they would tuck it into their belt so that it wouldn't get entangled in anything. That's, that's what Paul was talking about here in 2, Corinth, or 2 Timothy 2 and 2 when he said no one serving as a soldier gets entangled in civilian affairs but rather tries to please his commanding officer. That's what the writer of Hebrews was talking about in Hebrews chapter 12 when he said let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race that is marked out before us. He said, you got to pull the tunic up. You got to tuck it in because you don't want it to get entangled in some other thing. Because if it does, it can cause you to be defeated. So he says, don't allow yourself to get entangled. That's why they would pull that tunic up and they would tuck it 
into the belt of truth and it would prepare them for action. Now they could move swiftly. Now they could move quickly. Listen to what Peter said in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13. This is so important. He said, therefore, gird up the loins of your mind. Now, why is that important? Because when you first come to God, you've got all of these ideologies about God. Some of them may be true, but most of them are probably false. The things that you have believed to be true about God that are not true. That's why Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 10, and I'll say it again. He said, we don't wage war the way that the world wages wars. War because the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They're not worldly. They're not natural, but they're spiritual weapons. And he said, they're mighty through God to what? To the pulling down of strongholds. And then he goes on and he says this. He said that, 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 that they, they will demolish every argument and they will demolish every pretension, listen, that has set itself up against the knowledge of God. You see, that's what the enemy is trying to do. He's trying to keep you from truth. He is trying to keep you from a knowledge of God. And you've got all of these ideologies, all of these ideas, all of these thoughts about who God is and about what God wants to do in your life and what God has said about you and what God's plan is for your life. But Peter says that when you come to God, you've got to gird up the loins of your mind and you've got to stop thinking all of these things that are untrue. And he said, you've got to take every thought captive and you've got to bring it under the obedience of truth what the word of God says and that's why he said in Romans chapter 12 verse 2 do not be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind why so that you can know who God is and so that you can know what God's will is for your life in order that you can live God's will for your life So it begins with preparation. This is a picture of you and I making sure that every area of our lives has been tucked into truth. That every area of our life has come under truth. My marriage, we're going to be okay because we're tucked into truth. We're under truth. My family, it's going to be all right because we're under truth. My values that I live by, they're tucked in. They're under truth. And that prepares us now for battle. But not only do we need to know the truth and be prepared for battle, but secondly, we need to live the truth. We go from preparation now to commitment. Big difference. It's the difference between a wedding and a marriage. Did you hear me? Preparation and commitment. And just, just as you cannot de defend something you don't know, listen to me, this is so important. You cannot defend something you don't live. I'm going to say it again. 
You cannot defend something that you don't live. Let, let, let me tell you what saying you know truth and that you believe truth, but you're not living truth. Let me tell you what it does. It disqualifies you. That's why Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24, he said that when we run this race, and he always compared the Christian life to a race, but he said that when we run this race, he said, you go into strict training. He said, you've got to learn all the rules because when you go in to run this race or when you go in to play this game, if you break the rules, you will be disqualified. You and I, we need to know the truth of God's word. And we need to live God's word or we will be disqualified. Paul said it like this in Titus about the false teachers that were worming their way into the church. He said they claim to know God. They claim to know truth. But by their actions, they do what? They deny him. You see, that's what happens when we don't live what we say we believe. You see, when our walk and our talk are one and the same, when we live what we say we believe, do you know what that's called? That's called integrity. And do you know what integrity is? Integrity is character. And do you know something that's missing in a lot of people's lives today? Character and integrity. People who actually live what they say they believe. It's commitment to God's truth. And we need some soldiers in the army of God who have not just prepared themselves for battle, but who are committed to fight for truth. Listen, listen to what he said in 1 John 2 and 4, and this is what the whole book of 1 John is about. He just kind of summarizes it right here and says, whoever says, I know him, but does not do what he commands is a liar. And the truth is not in that person. Jesus in Luke chapter 6, verse 46 says, why do you call me Lord, Lord? but you don't do what I say. Matthew chapter four, we looked at it last week. Jesus is being tempted by the devil in the wilderness after 40 days of prayer and fasting and the devil comes to him and tempts him, knowing that he's hungry and he says, if you are the son of God, turn these stones into bread. And you remember what Jesus' reply was? It is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but man shall live by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. You and I don't get to pick and choose which parts of the word we're going to live and which parts of the word we're not going to live. No, 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 no. Jesus said we are to live by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. That's why it's important that we understand what Paul was saying to Timothy there in 2 Timothy chapter 3 when he talked about what things in the last days were going to be like that there was going to be a huge attack on truth. Listen, it should not surprise us that we are in a culture in our nation right now where there is such a huge attack on truth. The word of God has warned us all down through the ages that there was gonna be a fight for truth. And here's what, here's what he says to Timothy about 
how these false teachers and apostles who try to get into the church, and not only that, but people in general, would live in the last days. He said they will act religious, but they'll reject the power. Do you know what the power is he's talking about there? Truth, the word of God. That's why Paul said, we preach Christ crucified. Unto the Jews a stumbling block and unto the Greeks foolishness. But unto those who are called, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. He said they're leaving Christ out of their truth. They're leaving Jesus out of the truth. They're leaving God out of the truth. Oh, I feel like preaching here this morning. If you can't tell I'm passionate about this today then you ain't gonna see my passion at all. Notice he said they'll act religious, but they'll reject the power that could make them godly. It's the truth that makes us godly. Why? Because God is truth. And when you and I are godly, when you and I are living according to the truth, we are living godly lives. Mm. Listen to what he said. These people that claim to be religious but are rejecting the truth, you stay away from them because they're claiming to be believers, they're claiming to be Christians, and they're not. And then he goes on in verse eight and he says, these teachers do what? Oppose the truth. That's where we are, folks. Just as Janez and Jambres opposed Moses, they have depraved minds and a counterfeit faith. You say, who in the world is Janez and Jambres? You got to go all the way back to the Old Testament book of Exodus when, when Moses was standing before Pharaoh saying, let my people go. And God began to send plagues. And do you remember when Moses had Aaron throw his rod down and Aaron's rod turned into a serpent? There were two guys, magicians of Pharaoh, that was in the palace that day with the king and with Moses. And when Moses and Aaron threw their rod down and their rod turned into a serpent, Janez and Jambres was able to duplicate that miracle. Demonic, evil. They were able to cause their rods to turn into serpents as well. But don't miss this point. Moses' serpent devoured <laughs> the serpents of Janez and Jambres. When water was turned to blood, Janez and Jambres duplicated that miracle. Turned water to blood. When, when God sent frogs throughout the land, Janez and Jambres was able to duplicate that miracle. You see, folks, you can't believe everything you hear. And neither can you believe everything that you see. Because the enemy is a master deceptor. That's why we've got to have spiritual eyes and discernment. That's why we need to know the truth of God's word. He said these teachers oppose the truth. Just as Janez and Jambres oppose Moses, they have depraved minds and a counterfeit faith. But I love this. But they won't get away with this for long. Someday everybody's going to recognize what fools they are. Just as Janez and Jambres. Oh, somebody say amen right there. God's truth will prevail. 
But he goes on and he says this to Timothy. He says, Timothy, but you need to understand everyone who wants to live a godly life, a life that is filled and defined by truth. Everybody who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus is going to suffer persecution. Yes, you're going to be persecuted when you stand for the truth. Yes, you're going to be made fun of when you stand for the truth. And it should not surprise you. Jesus died. He was crucified for preaching the truth. Paul was beheaded for preaching the truth. And all of us who live godly in Christ Jesus, we're going to suffer some persecution. And then he goes on, but these evil people, while we're suffering persecution, these evil people and imposters, you know what they're going to do? They're going to flourish. Deceiving others and themselves being deceived. Why? Because they're telling you what you want to hear. That's why they'll flourish. Telling you what you want to hear. Then he goes on and he says, but Timothy, you must remain faithful to the things that you have been taught because you know their truth. For you know that you can trust those who taught you. And notice what he says in the very next verse. He says, you have been taught the Holy Scriptures from childhood. Do you know who taught him the word of God? His mama and his grandmother. His father wasn't around. His mama and his grandfather or his grandmother taught him the word of God. Listen to me, mom and dad. Every one of us are going to stand before God one day. And I feel like I need to tell you this. You will be held accountable as to whether or not you taught your children God's word, truth. That's not, that's not the, the Christian school's responsibility. They can reinforce, it's not, it's not the church's sole responsibility. Mm-mm, no, don't shun that responsibility off on somebody else. No, 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 mom and daddy, you've been called. God's put these kids in your life, they are gifts to you, and you need to be teaching them God's truth. That's why you need to know the word so you can impart that word to your children. He said, they've given you the wisdom to receive salvation that comes by trusting in Christ Jesus. And then he says this, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. That goes back to what Jesus said in Matthew chapter four, verse four, that we are to live by every word that what proceeds that has been breathed out of the mouth of God. And he said, all scripture, every single bit of it, Old Testament, New Testament, has been inspired by God. God breathed the words. God spoke the words. He breathed it into holy men of old who wrote these words down. And notice what he says, all scriptures given by inspiration of God, and they are profitable. Truth is profitable. Truth is useful. The word of God is profitable. The word of God is useful. Notice what he says, for doctrine. Do you know what doctrine is? It's basically that body of truth that says Jesus Christ is the son of God. It's that body of truth that says the word of God is truth without error, that it is infallible. And no, it is not just relevant for whatever culture you may be in. It is absolute truths that work in every generation, every culture, no matter what when you're alive or where you are. It's profitable for doctrine. In other words, this is what we should be teaching. This is what we should be preaching. Doctrine. I'm not Norman Vincent Peale. 
I'm not a motivational speaker. I don't live in a van down by the river. Some of you from my generation will understand that. But I tell you what I've been called to be. I've been called to be a preacher and a teacher of God's word. And if you leave here on Sunday thinking pastor shared way too many scriptures today, I'll never apologize for it. I'll never apologize for preaching the word of God. He said it's profitable for doctrine. It's profitable for reproof. You know what that means? That means that when you read the word of God and you're not living your life according to what the word of God says, you know what you do? You change your behavior. It reproves you convicts you, lets you know when you've done or said something wrong. Then he goes on and says also for correction. That is when you stray off the path, it gets you back on the path of truth. And then he says, it's also profitable for instruction in righteousness. What did David say in Psalm 23? He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. His truth leads us in paths of righteousness. And then he goes on and he says this. He says that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. I'll just say this about that. Everything you need, listen to me, everything that you need for life, everything that you need that pertains to life and godliness, it's all right here. You don't have to look anywhere else. You wanna know how to have a good marriage? It's right here. You wanna know how to have godly children? It's right here. Do you want to know how to have a a business that God will bless? It's right here. Do you want to know how to manage money in a way that God will be able to bless you? It's it's right here. Listen to me. If you want to know what kind of values you need to live according, it's right here. It's full. It's complete. It's everything you need. Amen. And that's why we're told don't take anything away from it and don't add anything to it. Why? Because it's all you need. It's all you need. I got to get my breath here a minute. <laughs> do, you know, let me, do you know why the enemy fights so hard to keep you from doing God's word? Do you see this belt? Do you notice how it doesn't just come around the waist, but how it covers the reproductive organs of a soldier? Because this is what the enemy would say. If I can't kill him, I'll at least try to keep him from reproducing. If I can't kill him, I'll at least try to keep him from being fruitful. Joshua chapter one, verse eight. Do not let the book of this law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Mark chapter four, and I'm getting ready to close. Y'all help me back here. Mark chapter four, Jesus tells about the parable of the sower, sowing seed. And here's what he says. He says, the sower sows seed, which is a picture there of somebody teaching the word of God. And he says, the sower sows seed. And he said, some of the seed falls on really hard ground. That's those strongholds that we talked about a little while ago, those ideologies that you have about God, those things that you believe about God that are not true that keep you from believing the truth about God. 
But notice what it says. It says it falls on hard ground and the devil comes immediately and steals the seed. Then he said, but for others, the seed fell and because there was not any depth to the soil, that is, the seed could only go down so far, the roots could only go down so far, then it would hit a hard spot. You know what I think that is? Persecution. It's persecution. They hit a hard spot, they hit a tough spot in life. They quit, they give up. And so therefore, the word of God, the truth is not able to produce what it needs to produce. And then then he talked about a third group of people that hear the word, they receive it with gladness. And it looks like it's going well for a while, but then all of a sudden thorns come up and choke the word of God. And he identified what the thorns were. He said, the cares of this life, the deceitfulness of riches and the desire for other things come in and choke the word. Now, and, and this is all the devil, this is all Satan trying to keep the word of God from being productive. Truth from being productive in your life. But thank God, he talks about a fourth kind of soil. He, he talked about those people who heard the word of God who received it and produced fruit. Some 30, some 60, some 100 fold. You see, he wants to take away your ability to be fruitful. He wants to, take about, he, wants to, he wants to keep you from being prosperous and successful. That's why with deception and temptation and those kind of things, he tries to get you to be rebellious and disobedient to God's word because he knows that will separate you from truth, God. You gotta know the truth. You gotta live the truth. But you also gotta proclaim it. Wait a minute, pastor, this world is, they don't like it when you talk truth. They don't like it when you're preaching truth. Matter of fact, a lot of truth today is looked at as hate speech. Look look at at this this last thing with me here this morning and then I'm gonna pray. Peter and John in in, in Acts chapter three, and team, if y'all wanna go ahead and come on out. Peter and John in Acts chapter three, they're going to the temple to pray. Now everybody listen to this really closely. They're going to the temple to pray and as they go in, there's a man that's been crippled from his birth and he's begging for alms. Peter and John look at him and said, silver and gold have we none, but such as we have, we give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, get up and walk. And the man was healed. Well, it caused quite a stir They're in Jerusalem where this happened. And Peter and John, do you know where they were called into? They were called in before the authorities. You know who the authorities were? The religious people. Because let me tell you something about religious people. They don't like truth either. They don't. But they're brought in before them and they're questioned. And Peter and John have such courage that they, they, look at, they look at these authorities that they've been brought in before and they said, listen, we'll, we'll tell you who the one was that did the miracle of here. It wasn't us. He said, it's, here's what they said. It's the one that you rejected. The one that you crucified. 
but that God raised from the dead. And they said, all we do is we preach truth. That salvation is found in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. Well, I just got these religious authorities even more angry. And they threatened Peter and John. But here's, here's what they said to him. They said that when they saw their boldness, they took note that these men had been with Jesus. That they'd been in the presence of truth. But since they could see the man who had been healed standing there with them, there was nothing they can say. You see, that's why I'm telling you, when you live the truth, it cannot be denied. When there's evidence that the truth works in your life, it cannot be denied. And so the Bible goes on and says that they decided to stop this thing from spreading any further among the people. We got to warn them to speak no longer to anyone in this name. And so they called them in again and commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, which is right in God's eyes? Because that's what's important to us, to listen to you or to listen to him. You be the judges. <laughs> As for us, we can't help speaking about what we've seen and what we've heard. And do you know what they do with Peter and John? They threaten them and they say, listen, you stop this, we're gonna flog you, we're gonna put you back in prison. You may even lose your life over this. But they go back to the people of God and they prayed. And here's what they prayed. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to what? Speak your word with boldness. And then they also prayed, Lord, stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And then it says, after they played, prayed, the place where they were shaken or were meeting was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And what did they do? They spoke the word of God boldly. Even, even right here in Ephesians 6, where we read about the armor of God, right after Paul talks about the armor of God, he says, pray for me. Ask God to give me the right words so that I can boldly explain God's mysterious plan that the good news is for Jews and Gentiles alike. And then notice what he said. I'm in chains right now because of the truth that I preach. I'm in chains right now, but he said, I'm still preaching the message even right here in prison. You can't shut me up. So pray that I'll keep on speaking boldly for him as I should. Listen, if there's ever been a time when we need to stand and proclaim boldly and defend the truth of God's word, it's this day and time that we are living in right now. And we need to be praying for one another that God would give us the boldness. Even in the face of threats, even in the face of persecution, We've got to stand boldly and we've got to declare the truth of God's word. Oh, would you stand with me in this room here today? Is there anybody else in this room here today committed to truth? Amen. Is there anybody else here today ready to stand with me and defend the truth of God's word? Hallelujah. Come on, let's give God praise for his truth, for his word today. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Lord, I pray over us this morning.
God, that we would know truth. And God, truth is only found in you. Truth is only found in your word. You, God, you are truth. Lord, those that have been blinded in their eyes, blinded in their mind by Satan that's keeping them from seeing the truth. God, I pray that the Holy Spirit today would open their eyes. Open their eyes. That they might see you for who you are. You are truth. And God, give us the strength Give us the power, Lord. Give us the courage. Give us the boldness, Lord, to live your truth, God, to declare your truth. Even in the face of threats, even in the face of persecution, Lord, even if they tell us you're gonna lock you up, even if they tell us we're gonna shut you down, it's not gonna shut us up. We're gonna keep proclaiming and declaring the truth of your word, Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. There is no place for tolerance. Do you hear me? We are a part of a culture right now that their message is all about tolerance. Let me tell you something, God doesn't tolerate lies. God doesn't tolerate deceit. And let me tell you something else God doesn't tolerate. He does not tolerate sin. No room for tolerance. Just for truth. Just for truth. And Father God, may your truth prevail. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I hope that you were blessed and inspired by today's message. We here at Summerton Church of God believe that God is a God who still does miracles. And we're seeing it on a weekly basis. People's lives being transformed by the power of God, being saved, healed, and delivered for the glory of God. And we want you to experience for yourself. So why don't you come and be our guest one Sunday here at Summerton Church of God. I look forward to personally meeting you.